And now Horn. Stewart wants it. And looks for Amakechi! Hello and welcome back to the Grand Old Team Podcast, I'm Adam Partington and in this episode I'm joined by former Head of Communications at Everton, Mr Alan Myers to discuss Stoke, Charlie Adams' lunge, Jenk Tucson's lads and Sizable Sam plus loads, loads more. Hello then, welcome back to the Grand Old Team podcast. Uh, yesterday, Everton uh, beat Stoke 2-1 at the Bet365 Stadium and um, Groucho was unable to do the podcast at short notice. I know he was on Twitter last night in a, a, a rather drunken state talking about doing this one. Um, so I've had to draft in Alan Myers from the reserves. He stepped up um, and uh, he's joining us on the podcast. Alan, how are you? Okay. Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm good. So we haven't we haven't heard from you on the Grand Old Team podcast from the summer then. We were just talking then a second ago. I think the last time we spoke was was probably August and we were full of optimism then. <laughs> that was short lived. Um Yeah, different time, a different time. <laughs> it was, it was. But yesterday was a, a, a decent I think a decent win in the end at Stoke. I think the fact that, you know, we've we've not won too many games away. What is it? One in a year, I think. Um before before yesterday. So yeah, it was uh, it was nice to get on the uh, to, to to notch another one on the um, on the tally. Uh, but first of all, though, how, how are you, though, Alan? You okay? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, very busy um, at the moment, um, doing all kinds of stuff. It's getting to that time of the season, isn't it, where you you know you're doing all kinds and and there's a lot of games. I mean, I've done Wigan against uh, Southampton today, so that was that was an interesting one. But um, but going on to the Stoke game, I think. Um, you know, I think I think the crucial thing about it, it was it was an away win when we needed an away win. You know, we, we've needed them obviously before, but the, the way after the last one, um, you know, and the fact that we we won against um, uh, oh god, my my head's gone now. Who did we win against last? <laughs> no, no, do I have to start, oh, last week? start again? Brighton. Sorry no, 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 it's time. fine. No, 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 Brighton last week. The the bright the. The, the, the home win, Brighton. Brighton at home, sorry, yeah. Brighton at home. I, I, I've lost track of games. Mate, um, yeah, I, well, they I come, mean, they come yeah. that thick and fast now, and so many of them that it's easy to do. Um, but no, well, yeah. I, I think of, after yeah. after that win, you know, we knew, we needed to follow it up with, you know, with a good win. I mean, I I, I put down um, a couple of weeks ago when people were, were starting to panic a little bit with regards to relegation. I did a, a rundown of the fixtures left. And uh, I made some predictions, and I had us down for a draw against Stoke and uh, and a win against Brighton. And a lot of people said, you know, oh, there's no chance we're getting a draw against Stoke and all this. And, and I just felt that we could go down and put a performance on, you know. And but when you look at it and look at the facts, um, the weather, you know, the way things, the way things were, and Stoke sort of, you know. I've had a little bit of a rejuvenation under uh, Paul Lambert, and and you just felt that you know there could have been a bit of pressure there. But um, all in all, I thought that they dug in Everton and and, uh, and did well to get the victory in the end. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if those people who said that to you had seen too much of Stoke, to be honest. Because um, hmm. yeah, you're right. You know, I think under Lambert they've 
they've stopped conce- they don't concede as many as they did under Hughes. I mean, it got ridiculous at one point. They uh, their goal yeah. difference was yeah. like minus twenty um, at Christmas or something, minus twenty five or something like that. So they've they've definitely stopped conceding goals, but they haven't been able to put the ball in the net. So I think there's always this thing with Stoke, and and you kind of expect when you go there it to be quite tough. And I, and I can see where those people were coming from. But like you, you know, I was I was relatively optimistic that we'd be able to get something from the game yesterday. Um, and I, I think you know. It's, look, it's always tough, isn't it, when you go to these sides when they're down there and they are battling. And um, you know, we'll talk, uh, uh, we'll talk, you know, in more detail about the things that went on in the game. But I was probably with you, you know, Alan, on that. I probably thought in my head, you know, I can see us beating Brighton at home. You know, we've got a decent home record. We seem to be able to brush sides um, aside then, and then you know, we'd maybe get a point uh, away. But look, what, 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 what is that about? What do you think that is in terms of the way that we can seem to brush sides? Aside the, the sides below us at home and then struggle away. Well, I think it's a bit. I think it's a mentality thing, and I think it was interesting to um, you know to hear the comments from the manager last week about bringing in a psychologist and, and having them work with with the players. And and I always I have to say I'm always a little bit weary when you hear that sort of thing from a manager. No matter what club it's at, you think if you're starting to have to use psychologists. You know, is there a problem? Because as a normal fan, as a, as a, a layman fan, you know, you think just go out and play football. Yeah. You know, how, why would you never be in the right frame of mind to play for Everton? The bottom line is there's so much going on in the game these days. I think, and there's so many distractions and, and things which can turn people's heads. And the pressure now is is ridiculous. You know, uh, and the pressure was mounting away from home. There's no two ways about it. So. I think there was a, I think there was a case to to have a look at the mentality and you know um, and 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 see whether or not we could go at it a different way and and, and how because the other thing to, to mention of course is that there are so many different players with different ways of thinking and you know you look at a whole team you've got so many different mentalities so many different personalities and I think you know I, I think possibly we've got into a mental state where we felt that you weren't going to you know we were almost losing before we got there you know if you, if you like um, such was the the, the 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 interest around it and, and the sort of pressure around it so I think I think there was a bit in that you know that we had to go there in a positive frame of mind and I think the fact that it happened where we'd won at home lost away won at home lost away I think that pattern people were getting a bit sick of it and felt you know, we've got to do something. And I think possibly the players as well were thinking like that as well. So I sort of half expected this game to be different. Um, as you say, Stoke were not that good. You know, they're not that good a team. When I, when I refer to a pickup from Paul Lambert, I, I'm not so sure it's a real turnaround, but it's 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 just more of a steadying of the ship, if you like. And so for me, Stoke were there, to, you know, to be taken. And I think I've said it all season, this group of players at Everton, are quality players, you know, there are not many players who are not quality, you know, even the ones who've had such a bad season, you know, they're all decent players. I remember we talked before, you know, you mentioned before about the August and about last time we spoke, you know, we all welcomed virtually every player into the club thinking, yeah, you can see, you know, Ashley Williams, who's had a lot of, a lot of stick from the fans, you know, I, I remember thinking to myself, yeah, this is, you know, because of the way he played with Swansea, this is a strong Serious defender, you know, who you know who, who demands, um, you know, the back four uh, play with aggression, and, and and you know, and and I was all I was delighted to be honest to see a, a number of those players coming in. So I think there is a quality there, which I think we've sort of you 
get to the point where you're losing games like that, you get to the point you start doubting everybody. And I think that's where the mentality thing came in. Yeah, I, I, no, I agree. Um, do you know what's when you said that about Allardyce bringing in a psychologist? I'd, I'd missed that. Um, I hadn't heard about that. But I, it's almost like, or what came to my mind instantly was, would would you not think that there are in, there are psychologists within the team? Now, what I mean by that is, it is yeah. really quite puzzling to me that players like Wayne Rooney, especially Theo Walcott, to a certain extent, um, and some of the other boys who have played at a, t- a top level and or have even played for Everton for quite some time that they would they would need somebody to come in and explain to them again you know how to get themselves into the to give themselves enough confidence internally to, to go out and, and you know win away yeah. do you know what I mean that's well, I really think, bizarre yeah, to no, me 100%, 100% but that's why I said about a team I don't think individually certain players would have needed that but I think as a team maybe they did you know and and it, it was it was more about if you if you if you stand back and say right look you know we, this is a problem which is affecting all of us not affecting one or two of us it's affecting all of us so there will be individuals in the side that probably the names you've mentioned and it, it, I think it, it it it's it's no coincidence that um, the likes of Jagielka and Baines have come back into the side and Coleman recently you know and and, and things have changed um, and. You know, of course, there are going to be three or four or five individuals who don't need that sort of thing. But I think as a team, you know, possibly there there was a, a mental block, a mental war, where one, once they seemed to get on that coach and go away from home, something happened that they didn't have that same sort of cohesion, that same sort of uh, togetherness, um, and that same sort of confidence in games. You know, and I think that's where... Um, that's where the work was probably needed. I'm not, you know, I'm very much old school in that respect. I'm not one for for bringing in psychologists and all that sort of stuff. But I do recognise and understand and appreciate now that in today's game, it's what we're having to deal with. And, and, and you know, there is a big part to play in the game by these people. And, um, you know, you've seen it. I've seen it around clubs where I've been around the, the dressing rooms and, and you've seen the mentality of players. And it's hard for a fan to understand how that can happen to someone because we would always die to you know to play for Everton to play in a Premier League and you know whereas the reality of it, it you know is so different and the pressure that some some players are under um, can take its toll you know you probably think it shouldn't um, but it does and, and that's a hard fact. Yeah, I'm I'm one of these annoying supporters. I think sometimes that, I, and I think I'm probably within the minority, especially the type of supporters that do stuff like this. And this isn't blowing smoke up my own ass, but what I, what I'm getting to is like I I do try and take these things into consideration. And I've never played at a high level. I've never played in front of front of thirty five, forty thousand people. Um, and and the, and and never had the scrutiny that some of these lads have got, and I, and I do think, and again, this isn't me being righteous or telling other people how they should act or think or or or, or talk about the game, but I do think sometimes this is lost. And it, I had I had Tony Cotty on the podcast the other week, and I, and you know he he mentioned this to me in terms of like about how footballers are also humans, and 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 I think we do forget this sometimes, and uh, it's very easy yeah. to talk about the way they should present themselves, and they're they're paid a lot of cash, and I get that, and I'm not I mean, I'm not making excuses for, for for footballers that don't try. I think that we're talking about two separate things, obviously, if we get on that road, mm. but. I do, yeah. Alan. I do try. I mean, you've been around footballers a lot more than me, with given what you do for a living. But like, I do try and think, oh, how how is it being a professional footballer? You know, what kind of what do you have to deal with? And 
and and have I been anywhere near that? No, I haven't. So therefore, yeah. there's an element. There's always going to be an element of it that I don't get, and I just can't fathom. Yes, yeah. you know, it's it's the old one where I, I always smile a little bit when I hear fans say, um, you know, you can't be bothered. I think I think, and it can look like that at times, and 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 you could easily argue, you know, if you took someone to court, you could argue that the body language suggested that he didn't, he wasn't bothered. But I think what you'll find that is, is it's not that they're not bothered, but they're down about something. They're, mm. they're, they're not happy with their own form. It could be something which is affecting them. But, you know, you know, as you said before, they're, they're human footballers. They're not, they're not robots. They're not, they're not people who just go out there and perform. And we expect them to perform at the highest level every time. And we expect them to give everything at the highest time. But, you know, if you go into your work place and, and, and something's happening at home or you're not quite happy or you know whatever it is you might be you might be annoyed at the fact that you haven't played in a certain position or you know you're not whatever whatever it could be there could be many reasons that will inevitably drop your performance by five ten percent maybe a little bit more and and all of a sudden the pressure comes on and, and, and everything starts to snowball and everything starts to get a little bit too much and this is what happens now Again, people will fire the well. He's earning the money, and 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 there is an argument to that actually, because you know the more you earn, the more you're supposed to um, be able to perform. You know that's why you get big wages. That's why you know people pay the money. It's like if 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 a, if a, a top you know singer or artist you know didn't perform properly, people wouldn't go and see them. They wouldn't get the money. So it's as simple as that. Um, it's not quite the same in football because we all go there no matter what happens, um, but. But, but there are there are human elements to take into a, a team which have to be addressed and have to be looked at by the manager and which those fans, you know, and, and to be fair, we shouldn't have to worry about those things. You know, we should be able to just say, you know, we pay our money, we should be able to say we want the best, we want to see the best. Um, but there are th- issues which, which managers, which, which teammates all have to take into consideration when, you know, when, you, when you're going out on the pitch. And I think you do see it. And what I find strange is that, you know, those same players could play at home against Brighton, against uh, the the game we played. For some reason, my memory's gone tonight. The game before when we won, you know, was it Bournemouth, I think? And, you know, know, I I don't understand how that can be different, you know, away from home. That that, that baffles me, you know. But, But at the same time, there must have been a reason behind it, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it it is a it's a really interesting uh, talking point. This and um, I suppose we could talk about it all night. You know, with regards to to players' attitudes and stuff. I mean, look, there's a spectrum of human behaviour, and there's 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 like a whole obviously spectrum of of um, of emotions that you can go through. And, and undoubtedly, sometimes there will generally be games where players feel more motivated, where where they don't. Um, you know, so I think you have to kind of take it all into consideration, and I think going your point with regards to like how you can play so well one game and then poorly the next. Sometimes against opposition which isn't as well equipped as the opposition mm-hmm. that you played fantastically well against, that in itself yeah, is a strange phenomenon. There's something that's uh, I think mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more unique to football than it is to say working in an office like what I do. You know, I work in marketing. I mean, it, it doesn't, but mm-hmm. I suppose the variables are different. So. So, you know, there are so many different things that can happen within a game of football as opposed to me going in every day to work. But, you know, it's it, but then the, I, I do agree with you because, you know, the monetary thing is right as well in the sense that that is the metric, rightly or wrongly, that we use within society to determine 
so the worth almost of something so you know of course it's so it's yeah. like you know you're you're a, you're a high role in um a city executive and you earn x amount for your company therefore you're paid this much a percentage of that and the same way you're a doctor you're extremely valuable to society so you're paid this much now of course it doesn't always correlate yeah. among all the different industries but the, the point i'm making is that that is also a valid thing to throw in the mix and go well these lads are paid a hell of a lot of money uh, my money as well you know if you're paying to go and watch the match and therefore you yeah. deserve a certain amount back in return i think but it's just it, it is a really interesting topic but um uh, you know and and it is it is a strange thing with regards to how the the performances kind of vary from from match to match. However, though, what was evident yesterday is there was a little bit more of a desire, I think, to or, or a bit more application in an away game, and things could have gone the other way. Now, I've spoken to Stoke fans today, Alan. I, I, I live in the area, so you know, and I, I, you know, my my wife's family are Stoke fans, a lot of my friends are Stoke fans, so you know, I've had conversations with them, and a lot of them are putting a lot of emphasis on the Charlie Adams sending off. Look, in your opinion, was that a was that a red card? Because for me, it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. I, th- I think um, any time you slide in, uh, and I, I, yeah, I understand the argument about the conditions, and, but any time you slide in like that and take a player, which he, which he did, he hit he hit Wayne Rooney. Uh, you know, whether it was, I you know, I think Charlie Adam is a full blooded, you know, um, competitive player. You know, I don't think he knows it. To play any differently, and that, and you wouldn't want to change him in that respect. That that's his game. That's that's the way his career has gone. Um, and and he gives everything. He's hundred percent committed for his team. And and I think all fans, whether it, you know it's an Everton player or a Stoke player, whoever you know, want to see that commitment. So so have no problem in this in the fact that. But but sometimes that's going to go wrong. And I think yesterday was one of those moments where he's gone in too too hard to you know slid in. And um, and it has to be a red. Um, whether there was an intention there, you know, I don't know. Probably not. But um, but the bottom line is, he, he went in, you know, um, and uh, slid in, which with no control. There was obviously no control over him because, um, you know, as I say, he caught Wayne, and and and, and it looked quite painful to be honest. So yeah, a hundred percent red for me. Um, yeah. And I don't think I don't think there was any complaints, and I'm not so sure even Charlie Allen had too many complaints either you know I'm not sure he did to be fair or or any of you of the Stoke plays it wasn't like they surrounded no. the referee no. and were like what are you doing it no. was more a case of you know he went straight over to see if Wayne was okay which I'll give him some credit for that yeah. for although you know as a, as a footballer I don't particularly like him because if he played for Everton I'd probably have more time for him you know he's one of them yeah. lads isn't yeah. he you know he is one of them, yeah. As, yeah. as a pundit though whenever I hear him talking on Five Live he seems like a decent guy and you know he, he, he kind of says it like it is um, and yeah. um, so I don't have any issues with him off the pitch just on the pitch when he's a playing playing yeah. against your team he's you know he's a bit of a he's a bit of a toe rag yeah. but um no i'm with you i think shay given said on match of the day incidentally alan you know he said like he the, the issue with with adam is he he kind of gives he, he with that challenge which it looks worse depending on the angle that you see it but he leaves the ground yeah. which he defies gravity to do that because he's a big lad yeah and then he uh he's got his stud showing and it's rash yeah. and it's the weather's starting to turn so he, he, he just kind yeah. of like makes the referee make a decision and this is what Sh- uh, Shay yeah. given said and I, and I thought that ca- that kind of yeah. resonated with me i was like yeah it makes sense um and uh, but but I, I incidentally i, I kind of felt like almost 
did Stoke a favour because he's so erratic and he, and he is he's slowed down a lot and the game gets away from him so it leaves him vulnerable to those kind of challenges and you know I think in a way they, they probably won't admit it but it, it may have helped them a little bit that he went if that makes sense because everything got a little bit more condensed they kind of seized up a little bit and and it went even more direct and 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 it was just kind of it became a little you know it came, there's an argument to be said that you know it came a little bit more kind of scrappy and it, it, what it did as well is it is it it gave Everton a bit more time on the ball but that isn't necessarily a good thing for this Everton side because at times you could see that they were a little bit like then the movement wasn't there and they were a little bit kind of stunned by the fact that they had this extra space just, is yeah, that is yeah. that a decent observation, or am I talking nonsense? Yeah, it is. No, no, you're you're about right. I mean, I thought um, with the Charlie Adams thing, I think you know he's a he's a, a sort of defensive midfielder who likes to go forward, you know, and he likes to get the ball and run with it. So I think, in a sense, you know, possibly there is something in what you're saying in that you know they were able to sort of you know they have to then settle back and start to defend a little bit more. Their the, the goal threat didn't seem to be as as much as I thought it would be. You know, um, I thought maybe they would challenge us a bit more. Um, and, I, 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 you know, I, I don't remember them being too much of a danger for, for a lot of the time. Um, I always felt we were in control. But I think what it did for us was it allowed us to, to break faster. You know, it allowed us to, for some reason, we, we just seemed to be able to, you know, every time I saw the break, you know, whether it was Walcott, um, and then when Balassi come on, you know, there, there, there was a there was a pace about us in attack, you know, and um, and I think that's something which you haven't seen certainly away from home, you know, in many many of the games, you know, and and that that that's what interested me yesterday it was it was the sort of the quickness we got forward, you know, we had a we had a good few chances, and uh, and I think that was, you know, and I think. The two fullbacks make a big difference in that as well, and I just felt we were in control of the game. I, I, even when we went one-one, I didn't feel as if we were going to lose that game. I don't know why. I just didn't feel as we did. I didn't expect the goal to come as quickly as it did, but um, you know, and obviously time was going on. But um, I just didn't feel as if we were going to lose that game. I always felt that we were in control. That's an interesting observation, you know, Alan, because from the away end when they scored, I. It felt a little bit like they kind of were half, not half half arsed because obviously it's a massive goal for them, but there was a little bit of like they were still concerned. So, you know, normally in that situation, when a team gets back into the game, the ground would erupt in like, and it would become extremely loud yeah. and they would be excited and up for it. But it was kind of like they, they scored. And I've been to the, that ground lots of times with Everton, obviously. Oh, yeah. It's difficult ground, especially it is. as you say, when they come back. It, it, it is, but they, I didn't sense that. It was almost like they kind of were celebrating, but also they had in the back of their mind that they yeah, still had I 10 men and we were more potent. Um, yeah, absolutely. there's a nervousness about them as well, I think. And I think, you know, what they've been seeing, you know, for the last few months, they've probably, probably felt that, you know, I mean, as an Evertonian, even if we're 4-0 up, I worry, you know. Yeah. But but, yeah. but I think possibly, you know, the Stoke fans there yesterday were, you know, even though they got back in the game, they probably still felt that, um, you know, the team isn't as good as it could be. And, and um, you know, possibly that, you know, they could go down again, which they did, you know. You know and as I say, every time, I thought every time Everton went forward, I, I thought we missed a few chances. You know, every time we went forward, we looked like we could be a real threat, you know. And, and I think... That's what we've got now, especially with a with, with a striker now in Chang Tosin, who is a striker, you know, and it, it's something we've missed for for a long time now. And I, you know, I'm really appreciative of what um, Calvert Lewin has done this season, but for me, it's not the answer in that central striker's role. He's, you know, it's just 
I just want to see an experienced. You know, I think he will come definitely, Calvert Lewin. But I, I just think what we've missed is a serious, genuine, you know, uh, experienced striker who knows where to run, who knows what to do, and uh, you know, and, and and waits. If you look at Cheng Toshin yesterday, he was waiting for the goals. He knew where they were, he knew where to be, and I think that's the sign of a of a really experienced striker. Yeah. Um... Oh yeah, t- have you have you started taking Turkish lessons yet? Uh, <laughs> well, because uh, I've certainly got a, a heck of a lot more followers from Turkey. On, yeah, on my, uh, on that's my what I mean. Account, that's for sure. There you go. You're gonna have yeah. to get some lessons, Alan, and start tweeting in yeah, Turkish. Yeah. Um, but yeah. uh, no, all their English seems to be fantastic. To be fair, they they uh, they communicate it does. certainly with better well. than my Turkish. That's for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, mm. But uh, I'm Dominic Carvert Lewin. You know, this is gonna sound terrible, and I always. I always get a little bit of stick for this, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be too harsh on him because he is only a young lad. But I, one, I, I don't think that he has that natural ability to put the ball in the net. You know, I don't think that he's ever going to be a um, an instinctive type striker where he, you know, he's always got a goal in him. And I'm, I'm not too sure whether I'm completely sold on him yet, and I hope I'm wrong. I always want to be proved wrong when I say it's about lads who play for Everton, but I'm, I'm not too sure whether I, 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 I really do rate Dominic Calvert Lewin so much. Um, I, I, am I being a bit? Hot? Tell me if you if you disagree. Well, and, you know no, what, what, what is I mean, it about what him? I th- what, what I think, I think what, what, I, what I would say about all of them, not just Calvert Lewin, but about all the youngsters, John Joe Kenny, you know Mason Holgate, um, uh, Tom Davis. You know, all all of these youngsters have come in and and given everything to the team. You know, you can't just you know the the beauty at the moment for me is that Everton under twenty three, under David Unsworth has has brought in and and it, it, who you know whoever is managing next season and you know we hear all the the, the the debate about who might be who might not be and you know but whoever is managing next season really has a load of players who are coming through who. But you want to see them coming in in their ones, maybe twos at the most. But when you're having so many in, you know that that goes around all of them. They all want to then this 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 competition between the youngsters, if you like. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, that doesn't. You know, I remember you know back to the days when Rob Wackenshaw came on, you know, and played alongside Bob Lashford, you know, in the cup, and and like, you know. He was on his own as a youngster, and everybody around the team gave him that support. And but all of a sudden, you know, you're getting three, four, and five youngsters in the team, and that's difficult for them. It's difficult. They all want to be the, you know, the new young player that's coming up. You know, and and and, and it's difficult to have a team with that many youngsters in. So ideally, you want to have one, you know, coming in at a time and and and, and getting them used to playing football and put them out the team for a bit and then bring them back again. You know, that's the way you want to do it with them, ideally. It hasn't been that case. That, that hasn't been the case for, you know, for Everton, unfortunately. Um, and really, there's so many of them coming through and there's more coming, you know, Anthony Evans for me is a really exciting player. You know, that, that there's, yeah. there's so many of them and I think it's it's really difficult now. Whoever manages next season, you know, um, needs to look at that in a good way and and start trying to you know bring them in 
as and when, you know, because there was a clamour, wasn't there, a few months ago, when things were not going well, there was a clamour, bring the kids in, you know, get the kids playing, they're the ones who've got the energy, they're the ones who, you know, and, and we've seen it with Tom Davis, who, he was brilliant last season, you know, and this season he struggled a bit because, uh, you know, the pressure, it's a huge pressure, we're going back to, to what we were talking about before, you know, with the uh, the pressure on players, and, and for a young, young lad to come in, you know, you can imagine starting your own job, you know, or a job, you know, and being put in the real, tough end of the job, you know, and, and being told to just get on and do it. That's difficult, you know, and, you know, we're talking about the best league in the world here, you know, so the pressure is enormous on these lads. And, and I think, you know, you can't, you, listen, you have to judge them because they're in the team and they're playing week in, week out, but you can't really judge them at this point. You've got to give them a few years to bed in. I mean, I think football is too quick now to judge um, players, you know, there's a string of players where we look and think, you know, everyone they score two goals and everyone thinks they're the next big thing, you know, and it was never like that years ago, you know, when when young lads come in. So I think we need to give te- these players one and two, maybe three seasons to come in and, and do things, you know. And um, I mean, that was always the argument about Ross Barkley. You know, people people said, well, he's had a number of seasons, and, and there was an argument there to say, yes, he has had a number of seasons too. You know, to, to establish himself, and, and, and I think some people felt he hadn't done that in the way he probably should have done. But I think with the likes of Calvert Lewin, with the likes of Tom Davis, with the likes of John Joe Kenny, Mason Holgate in particular, who, who I, I like a lot, um, you know, we've got to give them time and we've got to let them let them come into the team and be and develop as a player and develop as an adult on the pitch. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to be said for, for giving players a bit more time, and and I think um, you know, I probably contradict myself a little bit here, but uh, you know, I, I do get I do get a little bit frustrated sometimes, especially some of the stick that Tom Davis gets, and um, I suppose I you know, what I what I did mean by Cavalloon is I. I I, I hear you with regards. It definitely makes sense in terms of the, the, the sheer volume of young players who joined the first team setup because it was like that in the old days. Even even when I started growing up watching, you know, Everton, you know, in the nineties, predominantly you wouldn't. I don't. I mean, we did have quite a few young lads actually. The more I think about, the likes of people like Michael Branch and stuff that were coming through at the time. But yeah, well, you Michael know, Branch will come through. But but at the time, I mean, you know, we, we wouldn't have four and five in the no, team. No, exactly. Know. Okay. Danny Karamatri came in for a while, then you'd have Francis Jeffers, but but there would there would only be one or two maybe in the side at the same time. And they know, weren't um, they weren't the focal point, were they? Unless unless I'm no. forgetting people, you know, do you know what I mean? You no, had no, your more right. senior players, hundred percent. Um, whereas I think you know, as we've been but, counting on these youngsters, you know, we, we, Calvert Lewin in particular, yes. you know, we're looking for him to lead the line, you yeah. know, and and someone of that age shouldn't be leading the line at this point of his career, you know, he, he should be coming in as a sub, you know, and coming on and trying to impress in, in the last 20 minutes or whatever, and, and you've seen down the years, a lot of them do that, you know, they come on as a, as a, as a late sub and they come and score a goal and they get the flavour for it, and then eventually they, they turn into a an established player, and um, but you know we're and you can't blame the fans for getting on their case because this is what you know this is the first team we've got we're, you know we're expecting the first team to win we have there isn't the time you know to uh, you know to, you know what I mean there isn't any time for us to to uh, to just accept it and, and let them learn you know you know it's 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 the big time you know this is the Premier League and, and we as a club we can't afford to risk. You know, uh, youngsters not 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 working and, and, and having, a, having a difficult time. Yeah, with that said, though, you know, we, we should as supporters maybe give 
uh, players to benefit the data a little bit more. I mean, I do just check. Tucson's a, a decent example. You know, I remember a couple of games after we'd seen him, then he dropped out of the side a little bit. And I remember going on to Grand Old Team and reading the, the, the Cenk Tucson thread on there, on, on the forum. And, you know, there was people already <laughs> casting judgment on him and saying, you know, maybe he's not right and mm-hmm. maybe he'll go back to Turkey and I don't think he's settling in well. And, you know, the lad had been here for like four or five weeks and, and he's a, probably a good case in point now in terms of once he's got yep. going, you know, he's starting to show what he's about. Yep. But, well, I think yeah. it's an interesting one. That. <laughs> it's an interesting one with Cenk Tucson because... You know, I speak to I've got a, a good friend now who's a, who's a, a journalist who knows him very, very well from uh, from uh, Istanbul. Oh yeah, and he know you know he, he, he's Istanbul-based, the journalist, and he, and he knows him very, very well, Cenk. Uh, and um, and he said to me, you know, don't worry, he will score goals. He will, you know, without a doubt, he will score goals. And he, he's sort of talking to me about the way he was feeling when he was out the side, and you know, and and. There was no panic from his side, you know, there was really no, you know, and, and it was interesting hearing Sam Allardyce speak about it after the match. He seemed to get a little bit touchy about the fact that people, excuse me, people were having a go and wondering where he was. And the difficulty of that from the manager's point of view is that everybody wanted him in the team. Everybody saw £27 million and wanted him in the team. And, that, and you can understand that from the fans. Um, but at the same time, again, you come over to a new country, you know, put yourself in that position, you go over to another country and start doing a job. You can't just, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're getting whatever wages every week, it doesn't matter whether you cost £27 million. The bottom line is you have to settle in. You have to settle into new surroundings, you have to settle into with new teammates. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and and I think I think there has been some sensible work there done by the manager in the fact that he, he's allowed him to, you know, to get to know the team, get to know the you know the players, and you know, I read about Duncan Ferguson's involvement with him. You know, and so I've no problem with that. The problem is, in in our case, is that he, you know, we are so desperate um, to get results. We're so desperate to see that striker. You know, if it was a defender, it wouldn't have been as bad. But we've all been waiting for a striker all season since Romelu Lukaku left, and 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 I think the pressure was so much that everybody expected this twenty-seven million pound guy. To walk into the side and start scoring goals, and then um, you know it, it seems that wasn't the case, and, and it needed he needed to be you know brought into the side at, at a certain pace and allowed to settle into the into the club and into the, uh, the culture of the country and, and and get to know where he was before he came in, and, and he will be better for that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um... Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes between now until the end of the season, and I think this is a good opportunity now to properly bed him in and get him ready for next mm-hmm. season, mo- most definitely. In terms of next season, now obviously Everton have reached 40 points. I think, um, I think we all agree now that we're we're, we're safe. I, I can't see anything happening that would be well. It would it would take the, probably some of the strangest events in in world football for us to be relegated now. Yeah, well, I've I've felt we're safe for a while, to be honest. You know, yeah, I've yeah. never ever, I've never ever felt. Vulnerable. What, that even after... Really hold on, even hold on, after... Alan. What, 4-1, Southampton yeah. away? How vulnerable do well, you feel no, after listen. that? No, listen. <clears throat> yeah. No, don't get me wrong. There are times when I felt we weren't right. I mean, when the last game of uh, Ronald Koeman's reign, mm. I knew something had to be done because it had become a real, real problem. And of course then, you know, you feel... But the fact was, something was done about it. Um, I, I felt it would turn round, even with David Unsworth, with whoever came in, whether Sam Allardyce came in, whoever, I felt it would turn around. I felt the problem was um, Ronald Koeman had become 
has become the problem, if you know what I mean. You know, mm. people were, it was, there was so much pressure on him now. That was, that was, you know, seeping down into the players, into the performances. And I think, and I think even Ron Koeman knew that, you know, and I think he, he felt that it was time for change. Um, and so, so in that respect, but since then, I've never really felt that we would. I, I've always felt that. And, and, and yeah, listen, you could accuse me of, you know, because I, I you know, remember the old Nottingham Forest side when everybody said they were too good to go down. But I've just felt that there was far too much quality in this squad for that to happen, you know. And, and it, it, I still believe that now. And I still believe that this is a good squad. It needs more, of course it does, you know, but I just felt it, it I just feel it is good enough and the players are there, you know, are good enough to, to to at least, you know, be where they are at the moment, you know, in the top half of the table, at the very least, if not better, you know, and, and I, I would be, I'll be quite disappointed if we don't finish seventh, I'll be honest with you. I really genuinely believe we can finish seventh now. I mean, okay, listen, we've got two tough games coming up next. Um, which I don't, in my predictions, you know, I don't put us down for, uh, I think I put us down for a draw um, uh, against Liverpool, sorry, because I can't ever put anything else down against Liverpool, <laughs> you know. But, 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 and I think there's every chance, you know, if we get Goodison rocking, you know, on, 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 a, on a, a day, it's another good side. There's no two ways about that. But I think if we get Goodison rocking, we can always get at least a draw, I think, against Liverpool and Goodison. So, so, um, so in that respect, but I think the games after that are real games where we can, if we get, if we, you know, assert ourselves in the right way, and this is what I was saying the other night on Twitter, you know, we can't just settle now because we've got 40 points. We can't no. just say that. We have got to now reach and, and get seventh place That for me, you know, isn't the way Arsenal have been, although I think that, you know, I think they'll probably come back. But, but you know, sixth may be even available, you know, but um, but certainly... I, I will be personally disappointed if we don't finish seventh. I really will. Yeah, uh, I um, I think. See, here's the thing. So I had a, a chat with a, a Ghana Stoke fan today, and he's saying, oh, "I don't think there's too much difference between Everton and Stoke." And I was like, "You, you you're mental in terms of personnel. Everton have got a superior side. Yeah. You really have." And I think Absolutely. still, in terms of individuals outside of the top six, I still would make an argument, a convincing argument, that Everton do have the best individual players. Leicester have got some yeah. good players. Rio Mahrez. They're, they're probably the side that runs us closest. But apart from that, yeah. it is dreadful. Apart from that, it's like. Mm-hmm. Wilfred Zaha at Palace and then that's it I, I genuinely don't think there are too many other players from within that group of teams below us that would get anywhere near our side um, so I'm with you uh, I do although I'm in, I think it's going to be extremely tough to get seventh and I'm not sure whether or not it's the best thing for the club I'm, I'd always say if you offered it me I want to take it but I just think given the, you know the situations it seems to throw up when you have to start your season that early However, with that said, though, in terms of attracting decent players for next season and potentially the best possible manager, maybe we do need European football. Um, well, but, the, the, go on, sorry, Alan, go on. No, I was going to say, the way I look at it, and it's quite simple on that one, I get asked the question all the time. I, I'm really quite strong on this. I want to be in Europe every single season. I don't care what you have to do to get yeah. in there, and I don't think I don't even care how you get in there. I remember the the uh, what was it the rule which was um, the, the people who had the, the least the, the fair play rules. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, you know, yeah. you got in because you had a fair, you know I, I'd have taken that. You know, I remember waiting because it was a bit of a, a draw. If I remember yes, right, you know, was, so you yeah. got drawn out. You know, I'm, I, I'm sorry, but you know, I, I think that if you start saying that, you know, you're we don't want your, I think. 
you just it's a mindset which you just don't want to have you know and it really is and and you've always got to aim highest and play in as many competitions as you can you know look at manchester united okay and there are there are examples people give examples uh, to that argument and say well you know it ruined them it ruined them this it ruined this well, you've got to find a way for it to not ruin your season, you know, and, and, and if it means buying more players, I'm sure we're in a position to be able to do that. Um, you know, but we we have got to start being in Europe on a regular basis. If we want to go anywhere, that's what you've got to do. Tottenham did it, you know, for for the last number of years, and look where they are now. They're now Champions League, and they're actually playing quite well in Champions League. Okay, I know they're out now, but, but they have done well in the last couple of seasons. You know, and, and I, I just think You've got to, you've got to have that. Whether you like it or not, you've got to have that mentality, or else, what's the point? You know, you might as well say, well, look, let's let's finish tenth now. You know, and and, and we're not that fussed. You know, uh, you know, because it's going to be tough um, playing in the Premier League. You know, it, it's that mentality. I just we talk, we started talking tonight about about mentality, and you know, I always remember when Howard Kendall came back and um, we were taking the photographs, the team photograph, and uh, you know, we were. We'd forgotten to put the Lucas A bottles in front, you know, for the sponsors sort of thing, you know, and uh, and he said we used to put trophies in front of there, you know, and and it was that mentality of his, which was a winning mentality. Okay, <laughs> it didn't happen that season, but you know, it, it, it's all about how you think and how you believe, and and if I think if we start saying we don't need to be in Europe, I th- don't think we'll ever will be, you know, and and that's that's just my opinion, and um, and I know a lot of people, and I and I see. You know, I see the argument. I understand the argument that, that you know, that it's difficult and it can, you know, it, it can cause a few problems. But I just think, you know, go and speak to Manchester United about getting back into the Champions League by winning the Europa Cup. You know, that's that's what it's about. Now, okay, they're a different, except they're a different kettle of fish. You know, but and they've got the squad to, to deal with that. But I just feel as if. We've got to always want to do that, and we've got to always want to be in Europe. Well, also on top of that, and and you make a lot of sense, but you know we're a club that hasn't won a trophy now since 1995, so any opportunity to potentially do that, we we can't really turn our, our nose up at it. Um, do you do you want Sam Allardyce there next season? How, how where do you stand on Allardyce, Alan? Well, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I think, I think the, you know, from what you read and what you saw uh, when he was brought in and listening to Mashiri, you know, he wanted Sam Allardyce to come in and and to make sure that we were safe in the in the Premier League. I, like I say, I, I personally, I never felt that we were ever in danger, but I could understand that, you know, you know, to, to bring Sam Allardyce in at that point, um, you felt that. The money, you know, the money was worth it. You know, whatever, what, whatever it cost, you know, it, it, it was money well spent. You know, the, the money you can lose if you're, you know, if you're out of that Premier League. I mean, for Everton to go out of the Premier League would be catastrophic, disastrous, it, it, yeah. yeah, catastrophic. You know, we can't, it, none of us can imagine I it. I can't it's... even, I could, well, you can't even imagine, it. and I, I would never would imagine it. You know, and, but it would be absolutely catastrophic. And and I think whatever it took, whether he's a man. To take us forward, I don't know what what Mishiri's thinking. Um, you know, I don't. You don't know because you don't know what plans they've got for the summer. I noticed that. What I have noticed is that is is Sam Allardyce has said in a number of interviews now, especially now that we've got up to that thirty seven forty points. You know, he started to talk quite a lot about planning for next season. So, 
you know, it, does that mean he, he, he is staying next season? I don't know. but um, And I don't know. I've not spoken to anyone at the club who can give me a, a sense of that. I'm not too sure anyone really knows at the club at this point. You know, um, you know, it's a strange time at the moment, I think, at Everton. There's a lot of changes, or if appears to be a, a lot of changes on the, on the horizon. And I keep hearing of rumours of, of people going and, and, and not going. And, you know, and, and you know, I think we need to get to the end of the season and I think we need to take stock because I think, as I said the other night, you know, this summer is so crucial that we get that right. You know, we can't go through what we went in last summer and then do the same thing again. You know, we can't afford to do that as a club because I don't think you can take two seasons like that. You know, I think, I think okay, listen, it's all new. Everyone's, you know, the personnel has changed and, and everything's, everything was new. And, and, and uh, you know, my old adage is about change is that it, it, it is always going to cause problems. It's always going to cause uncertainty and, and difficulties, no matter what, what job you're in, what matter, even in, in your home life, change is difficult. The crucial thing is how quickly you implement that change and how quickly you get it back to being a system, you know, and, and that's what, for me, Monsieur has got to do. And whoever's the manager, whoever, you know, is there at the top of the club, you've got to get that system in place and, and start. And then you look around clubs in the past, you know, Liverpool had it when they changed over to Hicks and Gillette. Um, other clubs have had it. There's loads of, of um, you know, uh, examples of where that change has caused lots of problems. And the, the, the ones who deal with it quickly and implement the change quickly are the ones that are successful. The ones who don't, you know, go into a spiral of, of uncertainty and difficulties. And, and that's what I hope doesn't happen at Everton. I don't think it will, um, because I think Mashiri is, you know, knows what he's doing. But um, it's got to be done. It's got to be done, and it's got to be done quickly, I think. Yeah, uh, I hope you're right. Um, look, as always, thank you for coming on to the Grand Old Team podcast, Alan. Do stay on the line for a second. Um, uh, as always, uh, to everybody listening, thank you for listening to the podcast. Remember to uh, subscribe if you haven't and, and share this podcast as well with your Evertonian friends and let us know what you think. It's always good to to, to, to find out that, that you know, you're listening and you're enjoying the type of content that we put out. Any ideas you've got as well um, or if you think you've got you know something interesting with regards to Everton, you write about Everton or you, uh, you, you, you do whatever about Everton just just you know drop me a line and we'll, we'll try and sort something out um alan yeah as always thank you for joining us on the grand old team podcast and a pleasure. Uh, no worries and we'll see you again next time all the best it's a grand old team to play for it's a grand old team to support and it you know your history it's enough to make your heart go oh.